Listening to new information creates fresh connections in your brain and greater awareness. Shades of Life awakens your brain with new information through shared stories and programs from a variety of presenters, bringing multiple perspectives and adding to the whole. All right, so here we begin. There's some things that I wanted to talk about, especially some things dealing with where we are now and we're moving into the greatest shift of power and wealth and resources that humanity has ever encountered in its history. I have no doubt that with the collapse now of some of the big systems and the ineffective government, governments, let's make that plural, and what our our global uh, failing economies are starting to teach us a bit more financial literacy for sure, and the declining oil situations that we had as resources. There's a lot more oil resource now being uh, definitely developed inside the boundaries of the United States, which I don't know that I'm real okay with. And there's devastating effects of drugs and the terrible things that we're hearing going on. I know that Everybody's talking about weapons and gun issues, and I don't agree with that at all. I believe as long as people want to kill each other, they'll find a way. And I also feel uneasy about the fact as to why everyone would be geared to try and uh, actually resolve uh, citizens from having the choice of weapons or having weapons. That sounds all too familiar a history in many countries that are now under very suppressive governments and dictators. So I think we need to take another look at that for sure and actually realize that the seriousness of what we need to get to is the effects that the drugs have on our people and the fact that once people get into the addiction of some of those antidepressants, the effects are very, very dangerous. And until we deal with that and until we stop looking for quick fixes for a situation that has been a long-term problem, which basically is us actually beginning to work as as within and without as far as humanity and care for each other. You know, I, I can uh, totally identify with the thousands of young people that I talk to. They're in, They're totally bewildered. And when they're looking to the fact that they have a lifetime that they have to look to and responsibility for making all of this work, we don't even have solutions. So what are we passing, you know? So with all of that happening, I mean, it puts 2013 on the map to being something very, very sizably different than what we usually have. And then we have to go back to the undeniable climate changes that we're experiencing and actually be definitely awakened to the fact that, uh, the whole the whole being and life form of the earth as well as the atmosphere around her is talking to us. Yes, they're in changes. Do I believe they're punishable and that it is punishment? I don't really, I don't know that I go there. I believe with all my heart that everything that happens is due to some particular situation of time and space that we put into motion. And I think at this point, you know, we need to start taking uh, a greater look at what we're being offered to uh, consider now. And that's that the, there's that interconnectedness. And I mean, for my people, the Cherokee, that interconnectedness is just a normal state of thinking for us. Uh, 
you don't kill, you know, something because it's pesky. You don't, uh, you realize that everything that is within the environment of which we live has its purpose, that it's the ecosystem. So for me, you know, the, the fact that we need to now become aware that there are some adjustments that we make, that's that's no more than the civilizations before us to where we go look at civilizations and, and our scientists try to study what might have went on in this particular time and age and stuff. And then we hear things in reports to where they'll say it looks like these particular peoples, hundreds if not thousands of them, vacated this area, you know, instant, instantly and all, and everybody left. Well, I don't doubt that because I know as natives think when we realize the earth is talking and showing us we prepare and follow the direction of that. If the land begins to be depleted and we see that our crops weaken, we realize that the soil has been overworked and we move. We don't plant in the same place. Um, you know, if we realize that particular weather changes have changed to where it isn't something we can endure or survive, like cold or heat, we again move, you know. Um if storms begin to create a certain uh, passageway through an area, then we know those are big winds and we move away from that. So then we have to go back and ask, well, then are we as humans actually intelligent enough to start looking at all of that and realize that there are a few things, real serious things that we need to look at, and that's like, okay, let's take care of the water first because we do need to drink water. Okay, and let's make sure the air stays clean because, yes, we do need to breathe. And then once we get those things definitely in hand, there is food resource that needs to be considered. So I think there's three major things that we need to be looking at and not worrying so much about taking guns and weapons out, but actually putting more focus on where we want to be, not where we're trying to not be. So my heart goes out to anyone Believe me, anyone who has lost a loved one in any situation at the same time the crisis was happening in the school in Connecticut, there were children in China being stabbed to death. So, you know, 20, a man walks in and stabs 20 or better children, you know, just out of whatever rage and craziness. So we need to look at the human element and ask ourselves what's going on with that. Um and are we truly in a time to where we are just passing that kind of thing to the side while we focus on more political agendas or something that's more political uh, oriented than maybe just the care of humans? So I think that tonight, you know, there's some of these things is some things I want to focus on and talk about because to me, those are important things that are going on. And uh, we need to be in clear mind. That means we don't have illusions or we're not in denials about the massive change that's needed to actually get us to where we are in a clear reality. And that reality has to be one that allows life to flourish and things to move in a flow that complements many, not just a one or a, or a who. And so then we move into the place where we have to look at all of the large companies and the powers of the world and how they have controlled the money flow to such a level that now we're having such economic ups and downs. Who's to say what's real and who's prop what's propaganda? 
I mean, so by the time the news gets out, and I think you've probably heard me say this a few times, by the time the news gets out and says there's the probability of an economic slump and a recession, everybody assures there's one because then they go into action to actually create that economic slump and recession. So when we start looking at what is there to do, it all falls back to us if we don't realize that each one of us, however singular you may think of yourself, each one of us have a responsibility to how we move forward in 2013 into an age to where the technology is soon going to rule. You know, we need to be creative. We need to be looking for what's taking place. I mean, looking at some of the economical stuff, you have to realize that to actually say what college students are coming to and where we're going to be in the next eight years as far as what you would want to educate yourself for and what education would you want to go into in order to assure yourself a rightful place in the prosperity. Well, you know, in most cases, most all of those jobs are in positions will never come to reality because technology continues to create answers. Um, there's a wonderful uh, gentleman that actually tells the story that in his travels, he was in some part of the world. I, I think he was talking about Bali or some part of the South Pacific. And he was he was made aware of the fact that they had trained monkeys to climb the trees and to actually do particular activities to drop the coconuts to the ground, which used to be a job that a human being did. So the monkey does more and moves faster, and so the harvest is greater. So instead of paying people, they're paying monkeys to run up and drop it in. And, you know, what's the pay of a monkey? Give them a few bananas and some food and a safe place to lodge, and he's he's great. And then one of the other technical things that we're looking at, and these are all sciences that are right now. These are not things that we are forecasting. They are already in hand, okay? And that would be that you could actually go to Korea and actually get a cloned pet from the pet that you have that might have died. So are we really sitting here silently thinking that if they're cloning dogs and cats and pets, that that's all they're cloning? You know what I'm saying? So we have some some things that we need to not have our head in the sand buried in the, hand, the sand with. We need to be looking at. So a uh, couple of people I know that was in Florida, and it went through the Florida newspaper, the announcement that uh, a particular family had loved their pet, which I know I love my Bella, my little doggie, and uh, I would not feel good about her leaving, but I know it's part of passage of time. But they wanted their dog back, so they took a specimen and sent it away to Korea, and it was cloned, and they went and picked up their, their, you know, their pet. And the pet went and landed in Florida and everything, got some great news and everything. But I don't know how many people went further with the thinking and saying, hmm, if they can do that with dogs, you know, what else are they going to do? So are we real sure? I mean, I know that there are scientists that are saying that we're actually going to be able to have, you know, the ability to have body parts and to have all the various things that makes us uh, able to, 
you know, just like your car, you'd go need to put in a new filter or something. So when we're looking at these things, yes, they're engaging in as much as that's futuristic thinking. Okay, not so much futuristic anymore, beloveds, because it's now. And those things are happening now. So the seriousness of what we're looking at is something that where we want to say is what sustainability do we have and are we working on? So our committees and the officials, elected officials and stuff, they, we, you know, to my mind's eye, they need to be looking in that direction more. And when we give people things to be happy about, when we give people things that, you know, that eases the stress that they're under and that we take and with that, we don't have to prescribe so many drugs to try and heal something that we're not attending to. Then I believe very seriously that the particular situation that we've been seeing, especially with our young people, will definitely resolve themselves. You know, I still live in a cocoon saying that love is the answer and that we can always do what we have to do so long as we know that in the end result, it's loving and caring for each other, that we're not alone in this world and that nothing that we do is unto ourselves. It actually affects everybody and everything. And then we begin to see a much happier, a much better, a much healthier, a much more conscious world. But I do feel there's definitely things as as a humanity that we need to know that we're all included in, and that's the responsibility of our planet and all that's happening, so that we move into being being able to handle it, to have solutions and to have strategies that kind of take care of some of the more scary looking things. As far as the climate goes, and I've been talking to a whole lot of people that deal with uh, particular things as weather and the studies of the atmosphere and a lot of the, I don't know how many people know about it, but there's a tremendous amount of satellite activity that circles the earth that's studying a whole lot of uh, what we would consider the ozone and the gravitational field. And uh, seeing, and the studies are showing, and, and I, it slips my mind right now, but maybe some of you have seen it somewhere on the internet now, that there's actually a satellite that measures all of the frequencies and the particular energy flows on our Earth, you know, like um, whatever would actually have a, an impactful situation or result uh, uh, that's happening anywhere in the world and seeing how much that actually penetrates into in the environment into a much greater presence, like, you know, something happening in any one location. Uh, especially, in a, it's, we're no longer talking about, you know, them exploring bombs or I'm sure any bombing that is going on in any particular war-torn country would be definitely something they have record of because I've heard them talk about that. But we're, they're talking more, too, about other things, you know, like uh, particular natural phenomena. And, and when I asked what that was, there was not too much wanting to be said about that. But then I got in touch with some studies that, when the 911 situation happened, and obviously that was a tremendous impact, it did have, uh, it did show on the scale, so it did have some impact on the scale, but not in any huge way, you know. And I mean, if we remember what all happened, then I mean, that was pretty big to most of the world, okay. 
But what registered way beyond the scale that normally they had seen regarding anything was the human impact as within 15 minutes to a half hour after the information of what had happened moved across the planet. There was definitely a huge energy spike in the whole grid of what the earth was about. So when you have certain things that begin to have emotional effect on us, things that we actually react to emotionally, and when we're all in the same heart space, then then there's atmospheric things that happen on a planetary base. Well, what could we do with that? You know, in some of the situations that we're in, you know, that our young people are suffering and, and countries are suffering and people are having lack of water and other things, we, we begin to realize then that if that can be seen on this energy grid, that energy grid monitoring every living reaction within the planet itself, you know, what's real then? What can we really do? How much can we really change? How much, you know, how much do we have authority and control to change? I know that with all the sciences I've studied in all these 50 years or better, that we have had most of the information on what we can do has been withheld. Now, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theory and everything else. The who they are is very well known and mostly spoke about. Uh, but that the, the particular mindset of such is that the more that we don't know, then the more we can be maneuvered and controlled. Well, you know, if that's the way you feel you have to do it, I'm sure there's some logic somewhere in that. But basically, if we're all functioning at a, a wider range of intelligence, then there has to be a, a greater planetary effect, not harmful one, a greater planetary caring and understanding. When we deal with intelligence, it's not threatening to our lives. It enhances our lives. When we are conscious of what does get affected in the outcome of something, you know, more than not, we make the decision to do the healthy thing, to do the rightful thing. And then things flourish and then life gets good and then everyone's taken care of. And then the children understand and they have something to look forward to. So when we're doing all the things that we do and we, and we work toward uh, the greater whole, you know, to say that you're not your brother's keeper is to, you know, to say you don't care so long as you get the job, that you don't care so long as you get this or you get that. Okay, when people are hurting, when things are in scarcity mode and people think in lack, the lack of consciousness, the lack of things, lack of the very support system of life. People get into survival mode. And so what happens when there's just a few that have the jobs, just a few that can flourish and have the monetary levels needed? Are you really safe? Do you really believe that you'll be okay? And if you put yourself in anybody else's shoes, could you not understand so then the time for us to begin to consider these things and to take care of each other, to to look to see what we can do to expand and enhance whatever life 
whatever people need to have a good life. So one of the things that we do, you know, especially right now, it's like uh, I have a whole lot. I'm I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place with the community at large that is looking at taxation issues and stuff with businesses and wanting to, you know, they have a very unhappy perspective of wealthy people. But wealthy people create the the income levels and the jobs and and actually the commercial community in order that people do have things to flourish. You know, uh, for years I remember as a young woman hearing, you know, free enterprise. America was known for free enterprise. People come across the great water to get to America because it was the land of gold and honey and there was free enterprise. You don't hear that anymore. Why? Because it don't exist anymore. And why doesn't it exist? Because somehow or another, being an entrepreneur become a threatening and a high-risky thing. Somehow or another, being a person that had a trade or a family particular, you know, like uh, definitely in my youth, there were a lot of families that passed a particular family businesses on and you know, children followed with the prosperity paths that their parents had made. And and if they didn't, they would use it as a business and go on into something else. So some of those things have gotten kind of knotted and strange, if not totally eliminated. So then we have to go back and say, and so what is really the effects of that? Well, family-owned businesses and small business has almost become non-existent. And in fact, I get concerned when I see that there are government programs that are saying they're trying to help that. Well, if they're trying to help that, they're putting particulars on it that's not going to quite make it free enterprise. So anyway, just, you know, we we have to get thoughts going. And what I'm throwing out here is I hope a whole lot of stimulus that makes you start thinking. What we all will be better in doing is to come together in communities and meet and think about these things and go on the many uh, communication airways that we have through uh, social networks and stuff to where we're hearing opinions and that more and more people are coming together in forums with ideas and solutions to what can work and what will make the difference. Because until we join in that, until we gravitate to the fact that one of us alone will have a much harder track in doing it if we can get two or three or four or many more hands into the pot. So if we are looking at solutions to create jobs, then we have to build businesses. And if we're going to compete and it becomes the malicious uh, track of rat race that you try to destroy one business so that yours flourish or that your business be it, uh, you know, this or that can't compete with the whatevers, the whatevers. Okay, when people start thinking like that, that's when their businesses fail. How do I know that from years of working with them? Okay, when a person gets into competitive mind and competitive mode, they stop being creative. And here's what any one of us know that's listening tonight. Every one of us know this. I can go in the kitchen and I can cook up spaghetti, a very common dish. And I can cook my spaghetti sauce, and it's going to taste different than anybody else's. So then along comes my sister, and she makes her spaghetti sauce. And maybe my mother-in-law makes her spaghetti sauce. 
at each one of these meals, there's going to be a different flavor and a whole different atmosphere around that spaghetti sauce, though it's all spaghetti sauce. In gas stations for years, and this was a good 30 years or so ago, in dealing with communities, they were actually trying to not allow more than one gas station on a corner. And after they finally, somebody finally broke through the system uh, blocking that, they realized that when there were two or more gas stations on a corner, it become a place where more people came for gas. So the need of gas, it's like everybody knew there's this choice of many gas stations there, so people flocked to that. So it's it's the creativity and energy of who you are that makes the difference as to what outcome you have at whatever you're doing. So, you know, for you to say you make baskets, yeah, but your basket is unique to you. And that might be what stands out to me. Okay, your product, be it several products in the same market, yours stands out because of what? So basically what we have to do then is come to a place to where we don't allow that to actually become what we do. We don't compete. We complement. So, yeah, I don't think if I wanted to sell my spaghetti sauce that I would necessarily want five spaghetti restaurants right next door to me. But at the same time, I would realize no matter what my location is, what I give to it, what my gifts are to it is what takes off, and that's what makes it, and that's what eventually becomes the way people have to think. And as people think and actually realize that this is the importance of business, that we create businesses from what we love, from what we creatively do better than anything else, and that in that there's an essence that makes it stand out and makes the value of what it really becomes. You know, and that's what used to happen with family-owned businesses. That's what used to happen in small businesses. And then somehow or another that got to where it got eaten up pretty bad and things began to fade pretty fast as we then saw the threat happen to middle class. You had poor or you had rich, and that's still a battle that's going on. It's in the way we think. It's in the consciousness of which we become. And in that, do we move into becoming greed-oriented and competitive and malicious? Or can we see how it's better that we make sure everyone flourishes? Then we're in a safe world. Then we're in a place to where no one has to kill for a loaf of bread. And that we start looking at the fact that stress is relieved and then no one kills out of stress or out of drug-induced situations. There's a lot to think about and gives us the magnificence of bringing all of that we have learned into a situation like no other generation. We're facing answers to the things that we have created. And uh, some of the things that we've been discussing, not the happiest stuff to hear. Well, you know, why don't we not make it unhappy and it's no different than making a reality check And that would be to say, okay, we still have time to make the difference and we need to do that. So we would then begin to say, okay, then we want to get with groups that are motivated to what they can do, not groups complaining about what has happened and what can't be done. And as soon as we do that, then we move into a place of solutions. And there's plenty of solutions. 
the fact being the human mind is genius of itself, brings us to the place to where we can easily get in touch with what it is we have to change and to do that. So what I would suggest then is finding groups and organizations that you can identify with. And I don't mean survival groups. I mean creative groups that are, are ready to see things change and can take community responsibility and you know, I had uh, a wonderful friend, and she's done probably 30 years or better in going into very deprived places in different countries and helping people get up and get ready and, you know, get, get things different and start making good moves toward making life better for themselves. And she had been in and out of country for for most of that 30 years because each time she took on a project, it took her a matter of years to do it. So the most she ever returned back to the U.S. would be to visit over holiday, maybe ever two or three years or something, and then head right back out. And because of the intensity of her focus on what she was doing, she said she seldom, if ever, paid any attention to news and media. She says because she was well aware from all of her life's experience how they totally sensationalized and modeled things in such a way that didn't give you any truth and, and distorted things in such a way you couldn't believe it. So she just didn't do all of that. So she actually retired from the field work and has been back into the country like about four years now. And in a recent conversation she had, she she said to me, you know, I look back over my life and I realized that most of the world would see the age that I have become as the age that one retires. And she says, but then the more I study and look around to the country I was born in and to the very country I thought I was assisting by going out and helping wherever, you know, help was needed, she said, I needed to be here. I needed to be doing that in country. She says, when I look at the state of affairs of what we have come to be, she said, where are people thinking? What are people doing, you know? Why are people not aware of, of what's going on and that there has to be something done here, you know? And it's like, well, I don't even know that I know how to answer her. You know, I told her I can tell you that most people want to see the change, you know. They're very open to making sure that things do get better. You know, I think the fact that we don't have the leadership that says there are things that we need to do and can do. And it's that responsibility that I speak to. We need to communicate with a definite determination to those who we have put such care into and tell them what we want. We have to make our voice heard. And that's that's the gift of being in America. And it's the one thing that we really need to make sure we stress is that we don't need anybody changing our Bill of Rights. The forefathers actually come forth with the Bill of Rights to make sure that we didn't become the countries that the families were fleeing from. And if we do that, then we have to realize that to have the right to bear weapons, to defend one's own home ground, is something that we need to consider and not attack, but to look at what has happened, what in the name of all goodness has happened with that, and what's the kind of crazies that's taking place inside the very humanness of what we are that allows us to then look and say, we have to stop making this real. We have to get a hold of this. We have to change this. And beloveds, as far as I'm concerned, that's drugs. 
and that the effects are truly there. They even advertise the, the particular outcome of things. So how can we continue to say that isn't the source of the problem? Yes, we can put everything in lockdown. And then they'll just simply find another way to act out even the greater sense of stress in that. So let us look more to finding ways to deal with the problems of our young people, to get involved in realizing that this connection is just the actual enactment of what life has come to mean and the value of it to all of us. So we need to have more programs that says, okay, if this young person is having some kind of disassociation problem or this this person is having unrealistic fears. I mean, you know, you become immune to it or you have to take it serious when you listen to the news reports. And if you're doing that, you are definitely hell-bent. And you're definitely going to find the pain that you're looking for. You'll bring it on, if nothing else. And those are the solutions that I feel that I want to focus on is finding where I want to stand and what I stand for is where I want to put my energy and that's that we can care for each other, that we're interconnected and that we are each other's resource and that I can be happy if all tables have food, if all homes are warm and if all children are loved. These are just rightful human things. We can do this. We're not alone. We have never been alone. It's time to make change. And we're up to that change. And believe me, we will see through that change. I'm happy that you spent this time with me. I hope I haven't turned you off too much, but I hope I have caused you to think, because that would be my goal. And that it is when we are conscious of what needs to be, when we are in the mind of readiness to change what is not working, we will make it. It will be all the beautiful things that we want and we will be living the dream. This is Parisha, and I wish you all good things. Welcome you to know what's coming up, to get information on other episodes, and share your reflections and questions. You are important, and you matter. Shades of Life. Listen on Anchor, https colon forward slash forward slash anchor dot fm forward slash shades hyphen of hyphen life. Watch on YouTube, https colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash capital S letter O capital L I F E. Find out more on the blog site https colon forward slash forward slash shades of life sol dot blogspot dot com share your input on facebook https colon forward slash forward slash www dot facebook dot com forward slash capital c letter o capital l i letter f letter e dot sol Stay tuned together as we make the difference. Expand your knowledge and you will transform your mind. Bruce H. Lipton
Thank you.